0: You would remain standing, take your copies of God's Word, and turn with me to John chapter 13. John 13 will begin at verse 1, read tonight through verse 17. Here now the Word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put With a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has ba- bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. We had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent Him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The grass withers, the flower fades away, but the Word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening we finished up with John chapter 12 and we looked at two things. First, the unbelief of men. We saw last week, even though Jesus had done many signs, there were still many who did not believe in him. And why? Well, because God, according to the prophet Isaiah, hardened their hearts. Then we also saw the the salvation that is found solely and only in Jesus. And so tonight, as we come to John 13, we begin a new section in John's Gospel here in chapter 13, all the way through chapter 17. In this section, we will see Christ with His own. Christ with His disciples, separated from the world. And while they are separated, we will find Jesus telling His own of their peculiar portions and privileges of belonging to Him. In these chapters, we will see Christ in the most intimate fellowship with his disciples, revealing to them the wondrous place they had in his love and how that love would continually be exercised on their behalf. They will learn in that last night with their Lord upon this earth that he is their great high priest. And yet, at the same time, that he is about to go back to the Father. Now these chapters that are before us that we begin looking at tonight, they recount the ministry of Jesus to the disciples in the upper room. A ministry that was accompanied by a meal. And we hear of that meal, the the feast of the Passover. It was the same night in which Jesus was... Betrayed that same night when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, as we see here this evening, when he washed the feet of his disciples. And so this section begins with a great act of humility. Our Lord humbling himself, stooping down and washing the disciples' feet. And so there are four things I want us to notice here this evening from our text. The first is the love that Christ has for his people. In verses 1 and 2, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, throughout these chapters, there's going to be a great emphasis on love. On the love that Jesus has for his people. What type of love is that? Well, it is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love according to God's standard and not man's. Standard. You see, true love always has an object. For Jesus, in these chapters, the object of His love is His disciples. But we'll also see in this, in, in this section, in chapter 17 as well, it extends beyond those disciples that are with Him in the upper room. But to all of us, those who one day would be called, called to be the disciples of Christ. And so it is that love that Jesus has for his people. It is that love that calls him to kneel down and to wash the the dirty, stinky feet of his disciples. It would be that same love that would take him to the cross to die for our sins. Now notice Jesus knew that his hour had come. It was time. The time that he had been sent upon this earth to to go to the cross, to die, to depart out of this world later and go back to the Father. He he loved his own who were in the world, and notice he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end of his earthly pilgrimage, but he also loves them throughout all eternity. Jesus loves his people to the farthest extent. Of their need and of His grace. Jesus loves us even though we still sin. Arthur Pink put it this way. His own are objects of His love. Unto the end is the extent of His love. He loves us unto the end of our miserable failures. Unto the end of our wanderings and backslidings, Unto the end of our unworthiness. Unto the end of our deep Need. And he loves us with a love that never ceases. Now notice as he, we hear of his love, we hear of the one that was there that would betray him. Judas Iscariot. We hear that the devil had already put into the heart of this disciple of our Lord to betray Jesus. so that takes us to the second point, and we see the humility that Christ undertook for His people. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now this action that Jesus takes here is the, the action or the duty of a slave. It was not the action of the Lord and King of kings and and, and, no, and usually this was extended to guests uh, to have a, a slave wash their feet when they arrived uh, at a house. Now, as we know in that day, many of them wore sandals, and being in a very dusty environment, especially if there was no rain, those feet would not be very clean, would they? It would be quite dirty. And so Jesus shows us his humility. He gives us an example of his humility. As he he rose from supper, he removed his outer garments. He stripped down to a loincloth as a slave would do. And he girded himself as he put a long towel around his waist in such a way that the end of it was free to be used in wiping the feet of his disciples. Now again, who is Jesus? He's Creator. He's God. He's Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. And here he stoops down and he humbles himself to the point of a slave to serve his disciples. Now this was not the first act of humility that our Lord undertook in his incarnation. No, his complete incarnation upon this earth was an act of humility or of humiliation. We know Paul tells us that Christ made Himself of no reputation. He left the glories of heaven to come to this sin-filled world and and to live among sin-filled people and to be tempted in every way as we are. Yet He never sinned against God the Father. And He humbled Himself. He He came not as as king, but he came in in a lowly manner. Now, he is king. He was king in his first advent. Uh, That's why it was so difficult for the disciples. They they understood this. They understood in their minds what the Messiah should have been. and, And Jesus wasn't that. He should have overthrown Rome and took his rightful place upon the throne of this earth. But he didn't. He humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a slave. Throughout his life, he humbled himself, and especially in his death, the death on on a cross, the the death of, of a common criminal. And he did all of this humbling of himself throughout his life, his humiliation throughout his life, so that we might be lifted up with him as joint heirs. And so we have a picture of his humility, wiping the feet of his disciples, and yes, even wiping the feet of Judas. Then the third thing we see is the spiritual import. What is the the spiritual import of this act of humility? Now, if you look at verse 6, many of us would would be like Peter. When he came to Simon Peter, he said, Lord, do you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And we might say, this is simply Peter being P- Peter. But Peter could not think of, of Christ stooping down and washing his feet. Leon Morris said this, We do well to reflect on this. Peter saw only that the one he revered as Lord and Master was taking the place of a slave to serve him, and he did not like it. It was not the way Peter wanted to have things done, so he objected. But Jesus answered his objection. And he reminds him. If I do not wash you. You have no share with me. In other words Christ says Peter. If I do not do this. If I do not wash you. Then you have no union with me. And Peter then said Lord not only my feet. But also my hands and my head. And then Jesus reminds him that. Peter, you're clean. The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Now, this is a reference, we know, to Judas. Verse 11 tells us Jesus knew well that Judas was going to betray him. And so he said, not all of you are clean. You see, Peter and the rest of the disciples, but Judas, they... They were clean through the righteousness of Christ. Just as we are. When when God looks at us tonight, He he doesn't see the sins we've committed today. We've we've committed sin. He knows of them, but He sees us in the righteousness of Jesus. Peter and all true believers in Christ are righteous. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. And so what is that spiritual import of Jesus washing the disciples feet it declares to us that our initial cleansing is through justification but yet at the same time we are still in need of being cleansed by way of sanctification and so yes we are completely clean as Peter was but yet we still need to be cleansed we need to be made holy as Christ is holy and God And so how are we cleansed in sanctification? Well, we are cleansed by the word of God. Part of that is what you're doing here tonight. You're sitting under the preaching of God's word. Yes, we are completely clean, but at the same time we've sinned today. We have been forgiven in and through Christ. and, And we are being made more into the image of Christ. It is through the word of God that we are, are cleansed, that we are sanctified. Notice or hear what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by what? By the washing of water with the word. That's how we were originally cleansed. We were washed with the water uh, of water with the word of God. For many of us, it was through preaching that God brought us to faith in Christ. But it was always with the Word. The Word never returns to God void. It always accomplishes what He has ordained for it to accomplish. So those who have part with Jesus are those who have been justified and those who are daily being sanctified by the grace of God and by the Word of God. To have a, a part with Christ means to have life in Him. It means to have fellowship with Jesus. And, and the, the disciples had that, but not all of them. There was one who did not have that fellowship with Jesus, even though they, all the rest of the disciples thought that he did, and that was Judas. Later, this very same night, Judas will betray his master. The one who taught him for three years. The one who he claimed to follow and to believe in. But Jesus knew well what was about to transpire. He knew well that there was one who was not clean. Then fourth and finally, we need to understand the practical application of this act of humility. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments... And resumed his place, he said to them, you understand what I've done to you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so what is the practical application? It is this, that we who call Jesus our Master and Lord, we must have the same humility as our Master and our Lord. We are to be humble. Christ gave us this example. Now there are some who believe that we are to also be washing one another's feet. There are some who hold that this is a A quasi-sacrament. There are some denominations who would hold that this is a a quasi-sacrament. But this is not a a sacrament that Jesus has left for us to continue to practice. He will later give a sacrament at that very same night in the Lord's Supper. What we're going to come and celebrate this evening. And so it doesn't mean that, that we are to wash one another's feet. But it does mean that we are to be as Christ is. And humble enough to stoop down And wash one another's feet. Robert Rayburn says. Oh it is our pride that ruins us. Isn't it? Our inflated view of ourselves. That keeps us from appreciating. What Christ did as our servant. And how right it must be for us. To serve others. If the king of kings did that. Did so much for us. How can we not do some small thing. For others and not but once. But always as a characteristic of life. Are we serving others? The Christian life is one of humility. And service. Will we stoop down to serve the least. Of these the least in the church. To serve one another. and, And we are to do so. Why? Because none of us here. This evening, none of us are greater than Christ. We call Jesus our teacher and our Lord, and and He is. But we are not greater than our Master. There's not one of us here tonight that is above washing feet. There's not one of us here tonight who is above the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see what Jesus is doing. He shows us how how love operates. It seeks the good of its object. Jesus sought our good because He loved us and continues to love us this evening. And, and, And love esteems no service too low to secure that good. Again, listen to the words of Arthur Pink. He says, when real love is an exercise, it will perform with readiness, difficult, despised, and even loathsome offices. There are some services which are even more menial and repulsive than the washing of feet. Yet on occasion, the service of love may call for them. And so what application can we make here tonight? Well, first we hear of Judas. And he is mentioned here as the one who betrayed the Lord. And again, Judas is mentioned as a negative example to us. Do not be like Judas. You see, Judas saw what Jesus did upon this earth. He heard what Jesus said and what he taught and preached. But he was not cleansed. He was not clean. We see in Judas one who was not clean. We see in Judas one who was a professor of religion, but who never knew true spiritual life. J.C. Ryle said this, He shows us to what lengths a man may go in religious profession and yet turn out a rotten hypocrite at last and proved to never to have been converted. He shows us that the privileges of religion without true grace will only make hell deeper. Judas saw everything Jesus did, heard everything he said, yet he did not truly have faith in Jesus. And so we are to see that negative that bad example of Judas and we are to seek Christ in faith. But then second Christian, are you humble tonight? Are you as humble as Jesus was and is? You know, pride is a great enemy of all men and even Christians. We like to puff out our chest when we do something great. We want all the world To see what we have done. To notice what we have done. Is that not what you find every day on social media? Look at what I've done. Look what I've eaten. Who cares what you've eaten? It's all about attention. And that's what pride does. It's all about attention. But if we are in Christ, we are are to be humble. And we confess tonight that we are not always humble. We puff ourselves up with with pride. We seek our own way instead of the way uh, of Jesus. And there are times when pride gets the best of us. And when it does, what are we to do? We are to repent of of our pride. And we are to humble ourselves before the feet of Jesus, before the one who humbled himself and became like a slave And he humbled himself to the point of death. Even death on a cross. And finally tonight, the first step in humility is to recognize our sin. Again, we don't like to be called sinners. We we don't like to hear of all the wicked things we do. But yet, that's, that's who we are apart from Christ. Apart from being cleansed by Jesus and His blood and righteousness, we are, we are vile, filthy sinners. And, and, and the first step in, in, in salvation is to recognize that and to fall on our face before Jesus. And confess that we cannot do what we so desperately need done. We cannot save ourselves. But we must be saved by another And the only one who can do that is the same one who stooped down and washed the feet of His disciples. And you see, tonight, we have a visible picture of the humility of our Lord. Again, He left the glories of heaven and He came to this earth and He lived a a humble life. One that the Son of God a life that He did not deserve upon this earth. He deserved a life of praise and glory. But as we saw last week and heard last week, He did not come to condemn, but to save the world. And part of that was what humbling Himself in His life, and especially in His death. And dying upon a cursed tree. Dying upon a cross. Why? So that He could save those who are prideful. Those who in their own strength would never humble themselves, but would would in their pride fall down into the very pits of hell. So Jesus humbled Himself. He humbled Himself in all of His life and in His death to save us so that we would be clean. So that we would be cleansed by His blood. So that we would be washed and so are you washed tonight if so then we come to this table this evening rejoicing in the fact that we belong to God that we belong to Jesus because it was God's doing not our own we rejoice that we have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb but if not then you come to Christ you humble yourself this evening as you see your sin and your need of Christ, as God reveals that to you and you fall upon your face, upon this great Lord and Savior and you say, Lord Jesus, do what I can't. Save me. Give me life. Wash me. And make me clean. And if you do that in faith as you turn from your sin, then Jesus will make you clean. And you will be clean from the inside out. And you will know of that love that Jesus has for His own. That love for His people and He loved them to the end. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing and preaching of His word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You tonight that You love us. And that you loved us so much that you came to this earth and you died on the cross for our sin. We thank you, O Lord Jesus, that you loved us to the end of your earthly walk. And you love us today and you will love us for all eternity. And there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And you show us that love this evening. As we come to your table. May we come in a worthy manner. And Lord if there are any here tonight. That does not know of your love for sinners. I ask and pray. That you would reveal that love to them. That you would give them a heart of faith. Whereby they can cry out to Jesus. For salvation. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.